It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All-State, two-year starter, and rush in for the big run and NFL vet. Is Dudeness or uh, Duder or, uh, you know, El Duderino, if you're not into the whole brevity thing. It's Blackshirt Jay Moore with Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by Currency, Blackshirt Husker, NFLer Jay Moore, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Find him on Twitter at Jay Moore. 44. Well, Bird, the NFL season is done. A pretty intense Super Bowl with uh, Kansas City claiming a second crown, 38-35. Your takeaway, what, what's your your memory of the game? What, what's, what's it going to be remembered for for you? Yeah, I remember this one as obviously a really good game, kind of what we all wanted. I know when we chatted last week, I was – you know, I was rooting for the for the Eagles just because of what happened to Cincinnati down in Kansas City. But I was I wanted Philly to win. But it was just a it was a well fought game. And I know it comes down to that Bradbury holding call. And that was that's kind of the, the focal point. Just as kind of the, the calls in the end of the AFC Championship game were as well. And I can I see that situation from both sides. I understand that. It, you know, it could have it could have not been called. You know, I've seen I've seen way worse holding calls, obviously. And I know defensive linemen get held every play. And I know if you had Searles on here, he'd tell me I'm full of crap and tell me that you know <laughs> that the offensive linemen don't hold every play, but he's full of crap too. They do, uh, and don't let him tell you any differently. But uh, it's uh, it's just it's tough. You know, I I don't think it when it's when these close games and these tough games come down, you know, if there's a call made, of course it's going to affect how the outcome of the game is. And, of course, people are going to overreact and say, how can you do that? How can you make that call at this time of the game? I, I look at it as really two plays that are kind of what made that ball game. It was a Hurts fumble and a return for a touchdown, and it was a return by the Chiefs. Similar situation what the Chiefs did in, in the AFC Championship game against the Bengals. Got a good return. And, obviously, the, the uh, roughing out of a uh, late hit penalty on home – on Mahomes, you know, got them in field range. Very similar kind of how this game proceeded to end in in, uh, in Arizona last night. So, good game. I, I still think, you know, Philly had this thing in, in control. They, they really did. That hurts fumble and fumble read that, and then getting seven points off of that, that that changed the perplexity of this ball game. And then Kansas City's second-half adjustments, you know, the Philly just could not, could not hang with them offensively. They just – Really just wanted to kind of hang there in man coverage, you know, all game. And, and rightfully so. That's what they kind of played a lot during the year is because their defense is, was, has been remarkable. You know, they had 70 sacks during the year. That's incredible. They didn't get any against Mahomes. And I know the field conditions weren't the best, and I know the guys were, were sliding all over the place, and that might have something to do with it. But Kansas City made adjustments and made plays at the right times to win this football game. And you got to tip your hat to them, and I'll give them all the credit in the world. You know, this is, this is wild that this is Mahomes' what third, third, uh, third Super Bowl, and and two, and he has two wins and two MVPs, and 
off to a hell of a start. We'll see what you know how Andy uh, Andy Reid kind of swims off, you know, sells off into his uh, end of his career coaching wise. But it was a good game. That's what that's what you want. I know that that end of the call, the holding is is going to get focused on the most. But Chiefs made more plays, man. That's just how it comes down to. It. They made more plays when when it mattered. Jay Moore is with us. Hail Varsity Radio reaction to Super Bowl Fifty Seven, and and you nailed it with the special teams. And the scoop and score, I mean, those those were momentum shifters. Um, Kansas City's offensive line, just flat-out fantastic. No sacks, only five hurries. And uh, Kansas City also able to get their run game going. Without going too deep into the weeds, to your eyes, what were the adjustments that Kansas City Made. I mean, I know they they brought motion, but they had two walk in touchdowns on third down. Yeah, they well, they did a really good job. I mean, you saw any time they 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 did it. That's what you see against defenses that run a lot of man coverage motions. A because when you send a guy in motion, you can tell what kind of coverage you're in. You know, if you send a guy in motion and no one moves, you know they're going to be in zone coverage. But then you see send a guy in motion in a DB or a linebacker or. A safety is going to, uh, you know, a quarterback's going to run with them. Okay, no, you know, you got some sort of a man-to-man situation. But they did a really good job. Was they made it quick motion, really made it, uh, seem like they were going to go all the way across the formation to the other side of the field. But then at the snap of the ball, boom, they would plant and go the opposite direction. And that secondary, the guy in the secondary for the Philadelphia Eagles was like he was sure as hell that he was going all the way across the formation to the other side of the field to catch some sort of ball. And it just little tweaks like that, you kind of saw it with um, – and Kelsey's routes, they ran a, you know, a lot of times they called whip routes or jerk routes. Uh, you just They did a really good job of just recognizing the coverages there and running the routes. And you saw a lot of misdirection and just the way the – I mean, hell, they, they did the ring around the rosy formation again. <laughs> like we saw against – they did it against uh, the Raiders, I think, in the uh, last uh, game of the season. So they just – they – they gave him everything, and uh, you had to because Philly is such a good defense. You had to throw the whole kitchen sink at them, and Philly just wasn't wasn't uh, wasn't able to respond. And not getting enough pressure on Mahomes, getting in the sacks. I know he was hurried a handful of times, but you know his ability to still escape out of the pocket with that bum ankle. And I know he had that twenty-some yard run there late in the game that really set up uh, the, the the winning field. Also, this. Kansas City just did a really good job of, of uh, you know, recognizing what coverage they're in and exploiting them. And then, you know, Philly just was not able to uh, adjust and adapt and, and make the plays that they needed to. Yeah, Jay, but I think this Super Bowl will always be overshadowed by the fact that Philly didn't get an offensive possession. It's kind of like that, uh, that AFC divisional between the Bills and the Chiefs where Josh Allen didn't get that possession in overtime. You think, yeah, the Chiefs won this game fair and square, which that's how I, what I think of last night, but you always think, what if? the other offense would have gotten a chance. And I want to talk about that, that penalty call briefly. We, we hit it on it a little bit at the beginning of the interview, but I can see it two ways. One, by the letter of the law, it is, in fact, a, a penalty. That I can't disagree with. But what I can disagree with is the fact that they hadn't been calling that kind of stuff all game long with with 
no pass interference is called, no defensive holdings called all game long, and then you call it in the biggest moment. It happened within five yards of the line of scrimmage, which a lot of times refs will give some guys some more leeway. And then also, it looked to be an overthrown football to me from Patrick Mahomes. And, and Catchability. And, and that doesn't matter with holding, but whenever you combine all those factors together, it just seems like a brutal call on something that seemed pretty ticky-tacky. And Jay, I want to get your take. Is that how you see it as well? That, you know what, letter of the law, yes, it's a penalty, but whenever you combine all those factors – it just feels like you should keep the flag in your pocket. Yeah, I think I would have liked to have seen the flag kept in the pocket. I just – there wasn't enough. It, there was – he did not – If he didn't put one hand on him. I don't think he's able to catch that football still. Yes, it was over, overthrown a little bit, but he did not redirect him or cause enough struggle to coming out of his break that, that it, to me, it was enough to throw the flag. And I totally agree the situation. You you got to kind of let the guys play a little more, and unless it's just completely you know egregious and blatant, you, it's one of those where you <laughs> you would like to just you know swallow your whistle and keep that flag in your pocket. And I know it's it's hard, you know, and as a as a fan sitting there and, and watching the game, you know, these guys, you know, there's the referees calling the Super Bowl. They they're the best they're the best graded ones through 18 weeks in the NFL. You know they they earn this right, so they do they know what they're doing. But again, I I agree, Elijah. I, I would have loved to see them swallow the whistle and and put the flag in the pocket. To I just didn't see enough. I, I I'm I'm on board with that, and uh, it just kind of it is what it is. It's it's it just feels you know Kansas City just got. Listen, they, they played really, really good, but they also got the benefit of a couple calls to go their way uh, in, in some games in the playoffs this year. But that's just how it goes. You're going to get, you're going to have instances like that, and that's. I'm not trying to knock them at all, but that's just that's part of the game. They got the right calls at the right time, and they're to capitalize. They, you know, they still had to go out there and make a field goal, and they still had to operate the end of the game situation. You know, I think McKinnon could have scored there, but he took a knee. Very smart, very heady play out of him. So. Yep, I I agree. I, I wish penalty wasn't called. I wish that uh, Philly was able to go down there and get an opportunity to tie the game or or win the game, and uh, it just just didn't happen. But you, you know what? You, you got to take care of the football on Philly's end, and you got to you know you got to tackle a guy on a punt return and get him down, and you got to make plays when you when you need to. You can't let Mahomes with a bum ankle scramble for 25 yards on you. So. That's uh, that's a little, you know, that's just a kind of playing devil's advocate there. What's some other situations that happened in that game where where Philly could have done themselves a, you know, a, a favor or two? Four yards was the penalty yardage walked off uh, from the 15 to the 11. You'd like to think Butker could hit from the 15, but I get. It, it's absolutely uh, demoralizing. It, it's, a, it's a momentum and well, energy thing. It's about the automatic first down, the fact that the right. Chiefs just going to run that well, clock it's, down. It's, it's time. Yeah. It's absolute time. <laughs> no, absolutely. You have more time on the clock for Hurts to, to go to work. Last on of the Super Bowl, Bird, but do you, do you expect Philly to to be back? Uh, Hurts' passing yards, his rushing numbers – I mean, we're talking damn near 400 yards total offense, three rushing touchdowns, had the two-point conversion. And he throws such a good, deep ball. He throws his guys open, and then uh, you're able to get um, some, some of your 
your dudes. I mean, the crossing route, my God, I have no idea, nor do I want to volunteer trying to check Devontae Smith on a crossing route because uh, that was going early. But, but Philly seems like, uh, all right, they'll learn and they'll be back. Yeah, I would, I would totally ex- ex- you know, expect that. I think the NFC East is going to be a really tough division. You know, you got three out of the four teams in the playoffs this year. I, as long as Hurt stays healthy, you know they're they're able to keep their core guys, you know, together, and that's all. That's what it comes down to, you know, is just having your guys, having your best players stay healthy, and keeping your offensive line together, and making and making sure they stay healthy. And if they're if they have no major injuries, they should win the East, no problem again next year, and be right in this situation. Uh, again, you know, Hertz is young, and then it'll be interesting to see. I, I know their offensive coordinator might be getting pulled here for the Colts mm-hmm. job, I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but that could have some effect on it. But again, your core guys are there. The head coach kind of is the pseudo OC, anyway. Mm-hmm. So I, I have no reason to believe that they can't make it back and be in the same situation, even even with how good the NFC East I think will be here for the next couple of years. Jay Moore with us here, Hale Varsity Radio, Blackshirt Husker, NFLer Jay Moore. We'll catch up uh, with Jay next segment to get his take on the walk-on situation for Nebraska and uh, his thoughts as uh, he'll have some perspective, specifically when uh, Callahan kind of trimmed the walk-on roster. Jay Moore continues with Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Jay Moore is with us. It's Hale Varsity Radio, Blackshirt Husker NFLer at Moore 44 on Twitter, co-host Big Red Wrap-Up. Jay, want to switch to Husker football, and you were a part of Nebraska, and you were part of a Nebraska in an era with Callahan where you had some really good walk-ons. You had guys that were big on special teams, guys that were big-time contributors on the field, uh, first through fourth down. Your take right now, and good story by Sam McEwen, going to go there with the walk-on program and being Title IX compliant and just the reality of numbers and what the numbers will be moving forward aren't what they were 30 years ago. Yeah, it's always an interesting conversation here in this state, not as, as a big a topic in other States and other Division One programs because it, it, we do have such a storied history with the walk-on program, and I do under I see both sides. I see, I think of all the good walk-ons that I played with: the the Brandon Ragonis, the Andy Canavies, the Blake Peakies. Um, oh gosh, uh, the Grant Mulkeys. He came as a walk-on. I know he didn't finish his career, but he was a, a big con- uh, contributor at the wide receiver position. Um, you know, there's a handful of other guys that I, that I played with that played special teams with, or even became starters towards the end of their career on offense, on the offensive side or defensive side. I mean, Todd Peterson came to Nebraska as a walk-on. So I see, you know, it's kind of like the the sales technique. You know, you need a hundred, you need a hundred prospects to get ten sales. It's kind of the same way you'd think to get with the walk-on program. You probably need a hundred walk-ons to get ten good ones to, to come out of it. So I understand that side of it, but I also understand understand the management side of it. I know when I got to Nebraska in 2002, I believe there were 200, over 200 guys on the roster. And that is just something that is hard hard to manage. And I know Bill cut down on that uh, heavily when he got there. And I know Bo kind of 
got back to getting some more guys, more some more walk-ons, and recognizing that that needs to be a, a vital part of the program. So I do understand both sides, but I think I, I can't disagree to what Matt's doing, and especially in a day and age where you're able to sign more than 25 guys, you know, in a, in a recruiting cycle on scholarship. So I, I do I do see the benefits of of cutting some you know of cutting some stuff down a little bit just from a, just from a sheer management thing. So you got I mean that you got a head coach who's trying to manage a roster of 150 plus players, deal with recruiting, deal with transfer portals, deal with NIL stuff, deal with all this other these other things that hey, 20 some years ago, Tom Osborne didn't have to deal with this stuff. You know, Frank Solis didn't have to deal with a lot of these things these head coaches have to deal with uh, nowadays. So I, I, I get it. And I know his, his uh, support staff, he's, he's, got, he's got one of the biggest support staffs in the country, as, as it should be. You know, Nebraska needs to be on par with the Alabamas and the Clemsons and the Georgias on the support staff. I think there's 38 people now on the support staff. Awesome. Great. We have the budget to do it. Pay people to come here to, to help guys – become the best they can be, players they can be, and coaches they can be, all for it. But I do, there is just, if you want to build this thing the right way, there has to be some sort of control. And I just don't think, you know, Matt Rule feels like he can have control of this program if he's dealing with 170, 175 guys in the roster. I just don't think that's doable, and, 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 and I can see that. And like, but like I said, like, again, devil's advocate, I do know – if you want to get some good walk-ons that, that come in, you're going to have to get a lot to make sure you get the ones that can contribute and play. But uh, I, I see, I see both sides and where the, where everyone comes from. But I think I have to, I have to favor with having control and a, a good firm grasp on, on your program and having control of it. Well, and the reality too is, you, I don't know what what Coach Rule is going to run if he'll do a. Solich, Frost, check that, Solich, Osborne, Saban, four-station practice, or if it's going to be two stations, right? I mean, that's just it, is is if you're going to have all those guys, they all need to be getting the the reps, or you'd want to get those reps on the field uh, Monday through Thursday, so... By year three, you got a shot in hell of actually playing or contributing, or just being a scout team guy that helps the program. But, you know, it's it's not been kind of throwback practice style and setup uh, for, for a long time. I mean, and that's, you know, you talk to some old coaches, former coaches, that's that's a big reason for the lack of, of development and depth. Yeah, I see it. If even it was three stations, you know, that's 11 guys inside the ball. That's 22 players. That's 66 total guys for three stations. Now, if you want to do a, a two deep in that situation for everyone, that's a what's that? That's 132 players. Mm-hmm. That's more than manageable. I, I don't, I don't. You know, we're not trying to cut it down to a 90 man roster like you go into training camp with a, in an NFL. I think there's still going to be 135 to 150 guys. I don't know how many. To be honest, I don't. Off the top of my head, I have no idea how many guys were on the roster that Scott Frost had. It had been, it had been about 160. Yeah. So. I think just cutting it down a little bit, but you're still able. If you want to do a three-station drill with a two-deep, you know you, you're able to you're able to do that. And I know there's some special teams guys that, that play into that, but you're able to still achieve what you want to do in, with the numbers. But I also do think I I was a part of when I first got to Nebraska. I was a part of the station stuff. It was fine, you know. But like I developed just as fine 
after the fact because, you know, when Bill got there, that's when I kind of took my big steps, and we didn't have that. So I think it's easy to say everyone has to get a ton of reps, a ton of reps. There is, but it also has to be a quality, too. Mm-hmm. You, know, you can get a ton of reps, and you can have a GA kind of, you know, looking at stuff and, you know, not really paying attention to what's going on in a certain station. But you still have to get coached up the right way. And, and when you get into the film room after a practice, you don't have enough time to go over everyone's reps. You don't have time to go over a, in spring ball. You do. I'll say that That's a, the, in spring ball you do. Once you get into the season, you don't have enough time to go through and, and grade everyone. So a guy could be out there, say, "Hey, I'm I'm playing. I'm getting reps, but is it good reps? Is it quality reps? Is it am I actually getting better doing these reps?" And you have to know that because sometimes as a young player, you don't know. So I don't. I, I would like to see obviously guys get more reps, but I think you can do it in other ways potentially. Than having to say, okay, here's 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 four groups. I think we've kind of, I'm I'm more of a, a quality over over quantity type of guy when I you know when I view it from that angle. Well, Jay, I've heard stories of walk-ons that had to go sit in the the stands Memorial Stadium during scrimmages during the past couple of seasons because the roster was too big. They just didn't have space for some of these guys to practice. And I think whenever you hear that, it makes you think, you know what? Maybe this walk-on program should be cut down to size at least until this program gets turned around in a way where, you know what, you can afford to spend a little bit more time on them. Absolutely. You want to be able to give guys the right attention. I mean, like I said, I guess Nebraska in 2002, I guarantee you some of the main coaches did not even know some of those guys' names because there's just too many kids. I remember running into Craig Bull, like, in the middle of the hallway and be like, hey, coach, he'd be like, hey, you. Like, he didn't even know who the hell I was, and I was a recruited freshman. So I just think they they got so much stuff they're kind of dealing with. Listen, I want every kid that wants to come play football at Nebraska that is able to, to some extent, to come play. I want them to experience that. But I also you know, want them to come here and have a good experience as well. And I, I know the coaches want to be able to give them the right attention and have them understand what they're trying to accomplish in, day in and day out. And sometimes you just get too many guys and you, just, you can't get enough accomplished throughout the day. So I, I do think if there is a fine line to having – you know, too many guys on the roster. Jay Moore's with us. 10 to 12 invited preferred walk-ons, I think, could be the number. Mm-hmm. Jay, this was awesome, man. Awesome to chat walk-ons. Awesome to chat Super Bowl with you. Thanks for a few minutes with us today.